You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In 1847, O Holy Night was written. Placide Capot de Roquemore was the commissioner of wines in a small French town. He was also a poet, and the priest of the town asked him if he would write a poem for Christmas Mass. He wrote the words inspired by the Christmas story in Luke that we just heard, and he realized that it felt like more of a song. And so he asked his Jewish friend, Adolphe Charles Adams, to set the words to music. And the song was performed three weeks later for Christmas Mass. For me, there are many things that make this night special. The story, the candlelight, the singing of Silent Night, and the song, Oh Holy Night, when we get to hear that. It always seems to make my heart swell. It moves me differently. Now, in my non-scientific Facebook poll, I asked, what's your favorite Christmas carol? And I got all kinds of answers, and several times people said, oh, holy night. They like the way the the music makes them feel. The notes, the melody, sung in the darkened sanctuary are all powerful. But have you ever listened to the words? I mean, really listened. They're powerful. Right from the very beginning, the words make a theological claim that takes so many of us decades to realize. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. That's what tonight is really all about. I'm not sure we realize that. Tonight we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We remember that love came down, that God became human. The gift of Emmanuel, God with us, is realized. We receive the present of God's presence The pining is over, and in his appearance, the soul feels its worth. 
On this night in churches across the globe, the story is being retold. Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem. It was the census, not like we know the census. There was a dictator who sought to prove the citizenship of the population and so forced many people to return to their homelands to be counted. Now, it was a ridiculous idea, but he had the power, and so they all went. Travel wasn't an easy task, certainly not for people who were poor and pregnant. They had to take off time from work. Mary and Joseph had to return to Bethlehem because Joseph was a descendant of David, therefore Bethlehem was his hometown. And it wasn't an easy road trip. In his book, The Journey, Adam Hamilton describes what it would have been like for Mary and Joseph to travel to Bethlehem. He writes, Their journey began with a descent from the hills of Nazareth to the smooth plain of the Jezreel Valley. This would have been the easiest part of the journey and may have taken the first two days. As they began the slow ascent of the Jezreel Valley, they walked past mile after mile of olive trees, And then, after several days, the journey became more challenging. The road curved back and forth as it ascended and descended the hills and mountains of central Israel. Each day ended at a spring or a well. They passed through Sychar, and from there they traveled three days over ever higher heels. Here's a good time to stop and remember that this was all on foot and Mary was pregnant. They passed through the verdant country in the north to the hot and arid country that typifies the southern part of the Holy Land. For Mary, this was the most difficult and uncomfortable part of the journey. The Holy Family traveled seven days at this point. On the ninth day, they could see Jerusalem, a city on a hill, and then just a few hours walk to Bethlehem across several miles of arid desert and some hills. On the tenth day of their journey, they arrived. By the time they got to the city of David, there was nowhere to stay, and so they went out to the stable or a barn, a cave, with the animals, and that's where they stayed. They were exhausted, hot, totally spent, and that was before the birth. Mary gave birth to the Messiah outside in the dirty, smelly barn among the animals and lay the baby in the feeding trough atop the scratchy hay. Now across town, there were shepherds who were out watching their sheep, doing their job. They were poor and dirty and smelling like animals, and they were out there. And while they were watching their sheep, an angel appeared to them and told them that God had come to earth for them. And the angels sang to glorify God, and the shepherds ran to see if it was real, and their souls felt their worth. The Christmas message isn't new to us, and yet I suspect we all need it a little more this year. It has been a year in which it has been hard for our souls to feel their worth. Last year on Christmas Eve, we worshipped from home or outside around campfires. We were locked in our houses wondering if our kids would return to online or in-person school ever. 
Many of us were not spending Christmas with loved ones for the first time in our lives. The vaccine had just been rolled out. Christmas Day would be the last time I saw my parents until they were completely vaccinated. We were worried about being exposed. We were worried about exposing others. We were also meeting these political challenges. There was upheaval and friendships were lost. We experienced the deaths of those we love so very much and we lived a year of an uncertainty that has ended with a horrific shooting in a school so close to us and COVID numbers are skyrocketing again. We are a weary world. And yet, tonight, we rejoice. Because love was born on Christmas, God came down to dwell with us. God in human flesh came to be among us, and the soul felt its worth. How can this be true? Because we know Mary and Joseph's worth was far more than their meager means. The shepherd's worth was far more than their station in life. They were loved. They were worthy of the greatest gift of love. When my kids were young, well, who am I kidding, even now sometimes, if they asked me why their sibling got to do something and they didn't, or why they had to do something that their sibling didn't, I would reply, because they're my favorite. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, that's what they're asking, right? That's what they're accusing me of. Because that's how we work in the world. We have favorites. We can't simply comprehend that one can love others equally. Now, of course, I don't love one more than the other. I don't have a favorite, except when I do. I do have a favorite. It's whichever of my kids is going through a hard time, whichever is hurt or struggling or heartbroken or anxious, whichever one needs me, then they are my favorite. Sometimes we want to say, why the shepherds? Why did God pick them first? How come Mary, she was young and poor? Why Joseph, he was old and a laborer? Because they were God's favorite. They were the ones who were struggling, who needed God, who were left out and outcast, despised and picked on. They needed to hear the good news most of all, and so God picked them. And their souls felt their worth. And that is so much of what the birth of Jesus is all about, love. It's a reminder to us that we are loved, that we are not alone, when we are hurt and struggling and lonely and anxious and sick and afraid, God is right there with us, loving us. In those moments, we are God's favorite. It's been a tough year, but God has been with us. God has loved us and offers us the good news, and we need to hear it now more than ever. We are loved. God is with us. We are worthy. So often in the Christian experience, we lose sight of the love given to us. We think we're not worthy. We're sinners. We're lost and broken, not worthy of the crumbs under the table. God's favorites are those who have it together, right? Those who can recite Bible verses off the top of their head. Those who live perfect lives or never sw sin or swear or get angry. 
But the birth of Jesus says exactly otherwise. God loves us all, sinner and saint, loser and winner, forgotten and known, hurting and healthy. We are loved by a God who will do wonderful things like become human and live the human experience, love the poor and the outcast and those on the margins and eat with people deemed to be sinners, tell us to feed the hungry and clothe the naked. And then he went and was brought up on charges for doing so, sentenced to a gruesome, inhumane death on a cross where he felt abandoned and alone and worthless, only to rise from the dead and show us that there is always hope, that the darkness cannot overcome the light, and that love always wins. How can the soul not feel its worth? God finds us worthy, so very worthy of love. The Christ child's birth says to the very heart of your being, you are a person of worth and I love you. It reshapes everything when we recognize our worth. It motivates us to share that love and to let the light of Christ spread so that we ensure that others know they are worthy of God's love. For if we are all people of worth, then nothing can get in the way of the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. So souls, set down your weariness. Feel your worth. Rejoice, for Christ is born. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.